Hello and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two thirty-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Keith McLeod, and with me is my fellow host Chris Lavender. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, we'll be talking the All-Star Sessions, Roadrunner United. Day to you, Keith. How are you today? I'm pumped, man. I'm actually quite pumped. Oh, good. Is this one you've been looking forward to discussing, is it? Well, let's just say at the end of last week's episode, I was a bit hesitant. I was a bit like, oh no, I don't. what have I done to myself? We kind of need to cover this. This I do remember this being quite influential on me. And I suppose like I mean, I, 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 we talked about Trivium, I love Trivium, we talked about Bill for My Valentine, they have nothing to do with this, they're nowhere near this record, but, you know, it just sort of did remind me of some sort of cringier moments from circa 2005, 2006, where I was a bit like, oh, oh no, how's, how's this going to age? And, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think we'll get into the, the juicy bits, but I think it's done alright over its uh, 17 years. Alright then, well, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for listening, if you're new to the podcast, Thank you for checking us out. If you come back, it's great to have you back. So, All-Star Sessions, Roadrunner United. I remember this being an event. Like, it was it was so much hype in it being released. You've got... The, the team captains got announced and yep. the names on this album are huge. Like some yep. really huge names from from Fear Factory through to, you know, the old school, old guard, Dino Cazares from Fear Factory. Is he Fear yep. Factory? And then yep. and then the, the new school of, of Matt Heafy from Trivium, who was at this time in, in 2005, the golden child, the poster child of... He was 19 years old doing this album. That's insane. Yeah, you're right. And to round it off, we had Joey Jordison from Slipknot and we had Rob Flynn from Machine Head. In total, there was 57 artists contributing to to this record. Wow. 45 past and present Roadrunner bands. Of course, you've got Slipknot, Machine Head, Fear Factory and, and the, the Golden Boys at the time, Trivium, Helm in the Project. And yeah, I, I remember the hype for this as well. You know... We've already talked about Trivium. We've got something lining up for Slipknot. I was definitely listening to Machine Head at this time. The only person I probably, the only band I probably wasn't listening to was Fear Factory. So I didn't, I knew Fear Factory. Like I think everyone knows Lynchpin. Lynchpin's one of those Kerrang songs uh, in the UK. And I, I didn't really know Dino Cazares, but y- yeah, I was, I was pretty, pretty excited about this coming out. What, what about you at the time? How did you feel about this at the time? So this was one of these ones that I was on the, the Trivium forums at the time and this was... Heckling the band. This was before the heckles. This is when okay. I was just into the band. I was just into Trivium and this got brought up on an almost daily basis because it was it was Matt was, was obviously at the helm of it. He was being brought up any time a, a snippet from the studio was getting released. The, this was being like watched over on a you know on a day by day blow by blow basis and yep. it it was just there was it was a lot of excitement for it people just didn't know 
what to expect. And and in in hindsight, I don't think I can't think of anything outside of like supergroups. I know we've had this discussion of supergroups with the Audio Slave episode, but outside of supergroups, I don't feel like there's ever been such a collaborative album I can think of. It's certainly what they present in the promotional materials as well. I watched the hour-long documentary that came with the CD that's currently on YouTube. And yeah, they they very much push that, that like no no one's done this before. They I don't think anyone's done it since because I, I don't know how you can. You know, it, you would just be compared to this constantly. You've got... So first of all, we should probably announce it's it's... The CD was put to put together to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Roadrunner Records. They wanted to mark the anniversary. They wanted to do something. It's explained in the documentary. They initially, the idea came around to do a collaborative single. Just, let's get a couple of, you know, we've got this label of all these amazing musicians. Surely we can pull a song out our ass. And it was actually the brainchild of Roadrunner UK general manager, Mark Palmer and Roadrunner USA V of A&R Monty Connor. Monty Connor is the the one that sort of presents it on the on the documentary and he sort of pitches the idea to it and stuff like that. And he's like, well, you know, surely we can do a bit more than uh, a single. Then the idea of an album comes along, the idea of Captains comes along and, it, you know, it, it goes from there. So they're very proud of the fact that nothing's really been done like this before mm-hmm. and... I don't think much has been done like this since, to be fair. There's a few names on it as well that I hadn't really appreciated at the time who who were involved. Um, and, and we're going to talk about the tracks. One of them still surprised me to this day. But Junkie XL on keyboards. Yeah, no, I was really surprised by that as well. Um, I know it was only one track, but it was just one of those names that I just did not expect to to see Tom, Tom Holkenborg being involved in. You know, it just two two totally different worlds in, in my view but you also had Daryl Plumbo on on a vocals on one of them completely forgot about that yeah and I think he's there because it was Head Automatica was on Roadrunner weren't they uh, I I would be lying if I if, if I know uh, they were on I don't I don't think it was Glassjaw I don't think Glassjaw were ever on Roadrunner I think he was there for Head Automatica I might be wrong Glassjaw have got Roadrunner and their labels on their Wikipedia page, so I assume it was. All right, maybe I'm just talking shit. But again, it was. He's got such a unique vocal style that the minute he started singing, mm-hmm. I was like, "That's Daryl fucking Plumbo." Like, yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking absolute nonsense because Head Automatica are only credited as having Warner Brothers as their label. So yeah, I, I thought it was the other way around. I didn't realize Glassjaw were um, were part of Roadrunner. Some of the some of the the singer names because obviously we we can talk about this about bands about who who's playing the guitars who's playing the drums but really it's the singer that's gonna make a track sound sort of memorable or, or it's it's gonna have that 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 singer's voice is is gonna be unique so yeah the second Howard Jones kicks in on on track one when Daryl Plumbo on track ten. Max Cavalera, and then the final track, Peter Steele from uh, Typo Negative. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a proper who's who of of mid two thousands metal. It's amazing. So bef- before we get into 
uh, into the sort of the nitty gritty of the songs and stuff like that. Did you did you enjoy this at the time of release? And what do you think about it coming back to it now? I remember hearing it for the first time in two thousand five and being underwhelmed. Okay, I've gone back to it this week. I managed to listen to it once, and it was a struggle. I right. I feel it is. It is flawed in its ambition. Wow! That there is, there are moments. Uh, there are there are there are a couple of tracks on it that I'm like, oh, I will listen to that track again. There are parts of songs that are good, but I I feel it's it feels a bit rushed. Okay. Um. The best I I, I think the, the way I described it to you was. It feels like a compilation album because of every song has a different singer, a different style, written by different people, produced by different people. It doesn't quite gel. And you listening to the tracks, if you're listening to it track by track, you can have it on shuffle. It makes no difference because none of the tracks sit nicely next to each other, I don't think. I mean, uh, it is a compilation album. Well, it isn't because... These aren't songs from other releases that have been brought in. It's just, it's just a mismatch of of artists. Yeah, they're they're not songs that have been brought in from from the same artist. You know, like a greatest hits. You're, you're right, but it's still a compilation in the sense that it's each song is intentionally different. Each song features different people on it, and each song. Like it's it's not a compilation in the sense of this is one band's greatest hits. It's a compilation in the sense of now sixty five is a compilation album. Mm. You know your dad's ultimate rock five is still a compilation album. I disagree only because you know th- those tracks exist elsewhere, and there there are there are full albums and there are album versions and radio edit versions. This these songs exist purely on this album as an all-star sessions release they don't exist elsewhere so that it's even in the name all-star sessions it it's not uh it's not a it's not one outing of one band with one producer or or you know a, a comp- pull, pulling in from different albums it is a mix intentionally to celebrate 25 years of this record label so that that is my first issue is is the the album itself and i feel like each song is it doesn't sound like a demo i want to i want to be absolutely clear i think it is very well recorded and presented mm-hmm. but the songs are they feel like demos in a in a sense that you would bring it into a practice room and then it would be fine tuned later down the line so they, they might have a, a, a second you, might, you replay the second verse or do something different the way that the songs themselves are structured they feel like they've not had very good oversight by by one sort of like i know they had captains but it just feels like they, they would they weren't like chopped down i think some of the songs are too long i can't remember one of the songs early on is it annihilation in the hands of god 
Mm-hmm. God, that goes on for at least two minutes too long. Um, <laughs> it's one of the longest tracks on the... No, it's not the longest track on the album. But then there's the other one, The Rich Man. Again, they just could have been leaner and more punchy. And, and that's where I struggled with a lot of these these songs was just getting through them was a was a task. I I don't think the idea of bringing in 57 musicians to write an 18 track album to celebrate 25 years of a record label. I don't think the objective was to be lean was to was to be like it's it's a wank fest. Like it's an absolute flex and a wank fest, but that's on purpose. That's intentional. Probably um, eighteen tracks. Too many. It, they could have. I don't <laughs> understand. From a marketing perspective, they could have done. They could have split. Maybe not split it down the middle, but they could have released this as like a volume one, volume two, sort of event, and had twelve tracks on each one. It still would. No, have been I don't a, disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. Still would have been a full price release, and you know they would have had more out there, and, and it would have been nice, I think, to have made it a thing. If if they were to do more of them, and I feel like there's there's a lot of been a lot of missed potential in it, but I really really struggled getting through this, and I I, I really did. Wow! Holy fuck! <laughs> Okay, I, I didn't. I totally fell in love with this album all over again. <laughs> good, good for you. I, I'm, I'm pleased for you. I, I really mean, you sound You sound jaded. You actually sound like, oh man, this is such a struggle. Like, this could have been less, and why is there a five minute song on this? And, like, you know, like, I. Like I said at the, at the top, I was initially concerned that, you know, the glaze, the rose tinted glasses of 2005 were were firmly set on this album but i said already i i didn't have that i remember being underwhelmed the first time i heard it 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 left no impression whatsoever like i've gone back to listening to this and it may as well have been that i never heard it in my life first time the first, when this first came out i was like yourself sort of seeing the hype about it and I and I was pumped when this first came out. Like I, I, I sort of loved it. It sort of had everything I wanted about it. It started off with a Howard Jones song. Later on there's a Jesse Leach song, so like there was a uh, a kill switch engage element there for me. What I remember loving about the album it, when it first came out was like how it was exposing me to like different artists and different vocalists and styles. Like I don't really think I'd heard that really sort of death metally guttural um it was like glenn benton yeah i don't think i'd really heard like the the, the guttural sound of glenn benton before N- not really not not that i'd maybe i'd heard it and be like oh i don't like that mm. i'm gonna you know i'm i'm too much into my my trivium and my bullet for my valentine right now so i'm gonna avoid that but having that song there made me made me listen to that guy there's 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 so much on it that it's just sort of exposed me to like I was probably more of a Head Automatica fan than I was a Glassjaw fan. Mm. But here's another example of Daryl Plumbo that I was like, this is fucking cool. Was never really a Sepultura fan, but here's a Max Cavalera song. Like, okay. that sort of stuff 
and like that's even the vocalist I'm aware of. I don't really know who Kyle Thomas is. I don't really know who Tim Williams is. Like, but they've they've got great songs on this, and I just remember being into that, and and maybe I bought into it a little bit. Maybe I bought into the whole Roadrunner hype thing. Mm. Fair enough, I'll, I'll accept that. But in coming back to it, I'm like, nah, I think this still slaps. I think this still has a lot of weight. I think this still has... I don't know whether... Maybe it's... We were talking about it at the very before we started recording. I think it's... To say that I've bought back into it, I think it's to say that, like, I get what they were trying... Or I appreciate what they were trying to do. And that's not just sell records. Like, from a Roadrunner perspective of a business... They're obviously pulling this whole thing together to make money at the end of the day. Mm. That's fair enough. But you watch the documentary and like I was laughing at it because it just reminded me of like when the fucking shitty little bands that I've been in over the years and you're trying to teach each other the music. Yeah. And you're just like you're just like walking each other through the riffs, you're just like on the fretboard, all you got a two, two, open two, like four, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like Dino Cazares is doing that to like some other dude. <laughs> you know, yeah. you see that very early on in the thing. And I'm just like, these guys aren't writing down sheet music and notation and working off of it like that. They're just, it was, it just reminded me of what it was to be in the studio again and, or in a, in a practice room, not studio, in a practice room and just be like, fucking hell, this was this was kind of how we did it. This was how we wrote music yeah. back in the day. So I was able to relate to that okay. and just love it again. I was like, these are just take out the money factor because I don't, I don't even know how much money you're going to make. Like how, how do you split the royalties on this when there's 57 people on it? That's a good question. I never even thought about the money side of things from this. I'm, I'm guessing that you Andy Sneeps and maybe the captains took a larger proportion. I know that in 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 many things, it's like there's there's royalties for lyrics, and there's royalties for music. Yeah, like there's two two separate streams there. So maybe the eighteen ca- the eighteen vocalists take a bit. Uh, I no idea how that would have worked, and what what kind of sales did it see? Like, did it did it do well? I, I've the only sort of information I've got is off of the Wikipedia and 2005 its chart positions were in the UK album charts 45 so it didn't make it top 40 in the UK albums US Billboard 77 and Australia 45 so not smashing the top 10 in those countries but it doesn't there's there's not really much information what was the what did it get any single releases? Well, that's yeah. It, it the single they released to sell the album, I think, is one of the weaker songs on the album, and it's the end. It's the song that's actually the vocals are by Matt Heafy, but it's Dino Cazares' song. Okay. So, and the the video is is not great. With all respect to Matt Heafy. I don't think he knows what to do with a microphone when he's not got a guitar in his hand. <laughs> well, he didn't when he was 19 anyway. Well, he didn't. And, and again, he was 19 doing this. So he had the weight of 25 years of Roadrunner on his 19-year-old shoulders. And I think for the most part, he smashed it out of the park. But yeah, like it just it just, it just looks a bit weird seeing him not 
have a guitar and sing with this and he's holding the mic in a weird way but yeah it's just a bit of a performance piece the band seem to be imposed on sort of some LA streets and there's thunder and lightning and blah 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 so yeah. yeah but to come back to what I was trying to say about like royalties and stuff like that like I'm just trying not to buy into like the roadrunner shit like I'm trying to remove the label from this and take this as like the culmination of 25 years of music 57 artists 45 bands like and these guys just came together to write these songs it's like one of the things Dino Cazares talks a lot about is like the camaraderie of all of it like (laughs) there wasn't any ego there wasn't any sort of well apparently there wasn't any ego there wasn't any sort of bullshit it was just hey (laughs) let's do this pretty no ego but here is here's a five minute wank fest there was no ego from the musicians (laughs) potentially but you know, let's just let's just come together. Let's just have a jam. Let's just have a bit of a laugh, and let's just let's just pull this thing together and see what we come come up with. You know, let's take the the the, the drummer from Chimera. Let's take the bloody oh, I'm gonna lose myself and and how many people there are on this this band, but or these bands, and and let's make something of that. And I, I just I'm just into that. I'm just with it. Again, if maybe if it wasn't for all the promotional material and shit that I've soaked up trying to try to get into this, yeah, maybe I w- maybe I wouldn't be as hyped with it. There's definitely some songs on this that I don't really care for. You know, I don't love all eighteen. I definitely decided to skip a few just to try and get through a few more listens. But for the most part, I am I very much enjoy about seventy five to eighty percent of this album. Okay, what are your standout tracks? If there was, if you were gonna make a playlist of of the tracks and you're just going to want to pick five of them which is your which is the ones you're keeping um straight out the gate the dagger and the enemy i mean weird to put two songs with the at the very beginning but the dagger and the enemy um track one and track two you've got rob at uh, rob flynn's band howard jones on vocals and you've got it's uh, is the dagger and the enemy is dino cazares and mark hunter from chimera on the vocals there those two songs are just fucking out the gate like they're just tremendous like proper to to what i would enjoy just like really really good metalcore okay less these days i probably wouldn't have minded so much then but these days i'm a little miffed at how much rob flynn is on the dagger i get he's a vocalist as well so he i would say he has a place as a vocalist on this album sure but when you've got howard jones why the fuck do you need Rob Flynn? <laughs> Good point. I must say, I'm just looking through the names and there's a name that is absolutely missing throughout the whole personnel of this album. If there was one person who I think should have been involved in it and he's not, I'm actually a bit surprised. Talk to me. Who do you think? Have, have, have a guess. Who do, who do you think I'm talking about? With Howard Jones... Mike D'Antonio oh Adam D Adam D maybe he was maybe this was his back surgery Uh, what 2005 I don't know I don't know but I mean he was he was working on other things in 2005 Uh, I'm guessing maybe it was a scheduling thing maybe he just didn't want to muddy the waters given that he was a, a very mm. well-respected producer, 
but I just feel like he he's you know all the rest of his bands basically yeah. Um, well, they did ask Rob Flynn multiple times, and he said no. He didn't want to do it initially. Okay. So maybe Adam D was the same. Maybe he was like, "No, nah, I've got I've got too much shit on. Maybe that I'm just doing other things." Um, other standout songs for me: Track Eleven, "Baptized in the Redemption," Des Ferreira, another Kazari song. <laughs> that song is fucking out there it totally i knew cold chamber and i knew what's des Ferrer's other band Fa- sorry i'm totally pronouncing devil driver fafara fafara des fafara you're, you're thinking of devil driver as well yeah devil driver. i was never a devil driver fan i was never a cold chamber fan i knew of these of these bands but mm-hmm. track 11 baptized in the redemption brought that guy to my forefront and I was like holy shit this is he is one of the best metal vocalists I think I've ever heard another one that uh, Blood and Flames Jesse Leach and Matt Heafy track 15 I Don't Want to Be a Superhero with Michael Graves Cracking. and another Heafy song like that's a good song I like that song. one I do like that song because it's a, it's a, just a good pop punk banger that one and even track 18 Enemy of the State is I've recently found out in, in reading for this that it's a made up language don't try and make sense of it Peter Steele just made noises. Peter Steele is is an incredible vocalist. So good. And the the whole song, to be so slow and heavy, you know, it's a complete departure from anything else on the album other than what you would maybe say is Rhodes, the um, Michael Ackerfelt and Josh Silver acoustic song. Uh, You know, that's one thing that always caught me about track 18 the enemy of the state is steve holt from 36 crazy fists is on that song he's a guitarist isn't he yeah he's one of the guitarists on the song and it just it just doesn't fit what you you know you imagine 36 crazy fists released that song you'd lose your shit you'd be like this isn't a crazy fist tune but steve holt's there uh there's an amazing bass chorus on that it's got probably one of the best bass tones on the album um that's just some of you know the ones that immediately come to mind, where I'm like, "Fuck yeah, the fucking that's that's cool, man. I'm down for that." I do, I will say, and and this is all credit, no doubt, because it is a Roadrunner release, so they they obviously had the money to put behind it, and you know you've got an incredible amount of talent involved in, in the album, that it is very very well recorded. Mm-hmm. All the songs sound good. Yep. Like they, they, oh, there's not, there's never a moment where I'm like, ah, those those vocals are a little too far forward or too far back, or the bass, the bass is just, it's just a really well balanced, well mixed album. Yeah, and I think that credit mostly comes to Andy Sneap, who we've mentioned his name a hundred times in this podcast because he is just so, he's is is he's got his fingers in so many pies in the, in the music engineering department of metal uh you know it's impossible to escape him and he oh yeah yeah we did cover Andy Sneap before we also con- covered Colin Richardson most recently he did Bullet for My Valentine yeah and sort of Sneap, Sneap did the production and mastering so he's, he's he's a very and he did it on Ascendancy too so he's clearly well connected with it all so he's he's done his he's done his work uh getting this getting this ready who else is on it? I say Colin as well. So yeah, there's, there's all the right names, and I, I, it pains me to say it that it's just a difficult listen 
because I just feel like it's it's bloated and a bit directionless in in other areas that I'm like oh just just make a compilation album. Just make a normal compilation album. Just literally just pick, go through every one of these bands, every one of these artists, and pick one song from one of their albums released in the last 25 years. And I would love to have, like, just have a Roadrunner, was it 25 years? Mm-hmm. 20 years. 25 years of, of songs in order of and just have one by one, and you could probably end it on, like, a, a, a track from Ascendancy or, Ascendancy or something like that. Right. What in two thousand and five? What stopped you from doing that? What do you mean? I, you know, Spotify didn't exist. No, but you you had access to the songs. You could have made a playlist. You could have burnt a CD. Oh, you yeah. could have burnt a mini disc. Yeah, but when someone crafts uh, a compilation, you are making a playlist, and it's always nice that. You know they could have they could they could have also thrown in a load of demos that were pre, previously unreleased material. I just, um, you know, that's what I that I prefer. And and I get I get that you love this album, and I'm not going to take that away from you. I think that's that's absolutely fine. I just feel like it was a bit of a just a bit of a back pattern exercise for a lot of these musicians. Um, I, I can see why you get that, and if you you watch the documentary, ignore the first five minutes and ignore the last five minutes. That's when Monty Connor is sort of introducing the concept of the album, and he's sort of, you know, he does the outro on on the doco as well, and like he's definitely the salesman for it. You know, and obviously he's he's A and R. He's yeah. he's the guy definitely trying to push it. He's he's the guy that's like you know. For the last 25 years, you know, when metal wasn't cool, we released metal. When metal was cool, we released metal. Like, he's the guy that is selling Roadrunner and is selling, like, how how amazing this achievement is. And there's a few, there's a few um, cuts from individual musicians, specifically towards the end, where they're just like, yeah, if it... If it wasn't for Roadrunner, we wouldn't be here. And we wanted to, you know, when we were kids coming up, we wanted to sign to Roadrunner because Roadrunner were the metal label, etc. Mm. There is a lot of, shall we say, dick sucking on Roadrunner. And that's what this entire project is. Absolutely. But if you take that away, I think what you have, logistically, is a pretty amazing achievement that you've got 18 songs from all these different artists and I think, for the most part, they're all good. Some of the songs I don't like because I'm not a fan of the vocals. Yeah. But music, musically, they're absolutely, they're tremendous. Yeah. You know, they shred. Like the musically, I I enjoy them because, strangely, in the documentary, the vocalists are not really part of it. You see Howard Jones. You see Mark Hunter. Uh, do you see? Do you see anyone else? Maybe there's a couple of other vocalists, but for the most part, it's about the captains. There's it's about an hour long. There's about twenty minutes each per captain, mm-hmm. and it just goes over some of their songs. Okay, the vocalists are almost nowhere to be seen. Fair enough. Which I found interesting because, like you're saying, you know, Matt Heafy was the kind of the golden child of this. He's the only captain to feature on another song, mm-hmm. and that's another thing. He does backing vocals on Jesse Leach's song, so. Two songs that have mostly prolific backing vocals are the two fucking Killswitch vocalists. Anyway, 
that's probably nothing. Yeah, I just I just think when you when you take the achievement of this that whether there was or wasn't egos, I don't know, but we weren't there during the recording. But they've managed to knock out the park. I would say, for the most part, eighteen pretty good songs in the space of about three four weeks. From what I've gathered, from what I've read, from what the 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 doco sort of release or or sort of said, they did most of this stuff within three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Sure, maybe your comment about how it just sort of sounds like demos all sounds a bit rushed. Maybe they could have had a year to do this, but I mean, how long's a piece of string? How long? How long do you, you do this yeah. stuff for? I, I think that the time constraints likely shows. I, I I feel like a lot of the songs are a bit bloated. They could be fine tuned to be a bit more catchy, perhaps, and maybe have a bit of a better hook for me. But the, I I just. Like I say, I, I walked through from this album 2005 thinking, well, it was a thing. I never mm-hmm. really absorbed it in, and I've listened to it this this week uh, once. And, and I'm, I'll, you know, I've said once, I have not had, I didn't have any impetus to go back to this. Not one. I listened to this album about five or six times. Goodness me. And it's far too long, so... Good on you. That's it's 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 it was good. Like honestly, just even from the start, from like the dagger that and I, I mentioned this at the end of last week's episode, that pick slide in, Howard Jones screaming, and you're just let's go. Like that is that's that's some really good stuff. What what are the songs that you didn't really get into? I, I'm assuming your list is going to be longer than mine. Well, the ones that stood out as as not my style. So. In the Fire with King Diamond on vocals. Mm-hmm. The minute King Diamond starts singing, I just want to skip straight away. Yep. He's not my not my style. Uh, Annihilation by the Hands of God. I like black metal. This is death metal, isn't it? Yes, this is this is the death metal song. Okay, and I just feel like it's it's not for me. I'm not a fan of Cannibal Corpse, and it's got that Cannibal Corpse sound. Uh, it was at the vocalist from Deicide and the the guitar, and it's, it's written by Rob Barrett as well with Joey Jordison. So that not my not my thing. Um, the song with the singer from Il Nino on what was that one again? Uh, um, no mass control. Yeah, track seventeen. Fucking skip. And I, I didn't really care for the song with Danny Filth on it either I, I don't know I kind of like some Cradle of Filth but it's literally maybe one song maybe it's just her ghost in the fog <laughs> but again I don't really care for Danny Filth's vocals not not something I'm into there were some standout ones I want I want to be clear that there are there are a couple of songs on here that I think are great songs that I will the the Dara Plumbo song No Way Out. That is that has been liked, and I will be putting that on playlists from now on. Mm-hmm. I I really really enjoyed that song. Completely forgot it existed. So to to hear it was so refreshing. Uh, there's the Corey Taylor song The Rich Man. <clears throat> Not so keen on the overdubbed CNN and NPR sort of stuff. It was very. It was two thousand five. There's a war going on in Iraq, so it's it's very topical for the time. Uh, the, I I like Corey's vocals on that. It reminds me of early Slipknot. He's got a, 
a real like strain in it, which but it works. Remind reminds me very much of like Volume Three Slipknot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I really like that one. And uh, independent voice of the voiceless. Love Max Cavalera's vocals. Always have. Always enjoyed his his vocals, whether it was in Soulfly or in Sepultura. So having basically Cavalera song on there was was great. So independent voice of the voiceless. Rich man, no way out. They were great songs, and I will likely listen to those songs independently in the future. And what, everything else can get in the bin? Adjacent to the bin, yeah. Just, oh, so in a pile in next the re- to it. And the recycling pile. Breaks my heart, man. Um, I just could not dig it. And maybe it and what about the dagger? The, the, that opening song, Howard Jones. What about the dagger? You know what? Maybe this. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow one of your lines from from when I've brought albums on that you've not really enjoyed. I just wasn't in the right headspace for this album this week. Wow. Okay. Okay. And it depends when when you get a good song, like I say, No Way Out. Oh, Chef's Kiss. Love that song. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to listen to this week. Was that kind of music? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, and I don't want to be a superhero because it's just got this really like upbeat um, sort of Descendants esque uh, vibe to it. Which yeah, yeah, a bit more of a punk tune, isn't it? Yeah, really love that. But the rest of it's just generic as fuck, mate. Right, my list of songs that I didn't like is. Very well, apart from the majority of the ones you didn't, but the ones that you sort of highlighted as not liking, very similar to me. Didn't really care for Annihilation by the Hands of God. Again, came down to the vocals. Glenn Barton might be an absolute god in death metal scenes, but I'm not a particularly death metal fan, so I didn't really enjoy it. Same with In the Fire. I can I can take or leave In the Fire. On the right day, I'll enjoy it, but. For the most part, I kind of don't really care for this sort of flamboyant camp, you know, extravagant vocals of King Diamond either. It wasn't really one I was I was bothered about. I thought the, I thought the riff was pretty cool. I thought the song itself was 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 fun, but King Diamond himself didn't really care for. I didn't like Independent Voice of the Voiceless. More so because I'm not a Max Cavalera fan. I've never been into Soulfly. I've never been into. Sepultura, just something I didn't really care for. But the song, I thought was awesome. Because by the end of it, you've got like the harmony. It's got that sort of drawn-out outro. I thought that was cool as fuck. Just take Max Cavalera off of that song, and I'm probably going to really, really like it. Yep. Dawn of the Golden Age, Danny Filth. Get that in the fucking bin. Just can't be fucked with that at all. I'm not, don't, I don't care about Cradle of Filth. I've never liked Cradle of Filth. Again, that sort of... The darker, blacker metal things, like I'm just not giving a shit about. And no, I think for the rest of it, it's pretty good. Okay, pretty awesome. I'm the um, even no mass control. The the Christian Machado Machado single. I, I did sort of just liked it for what it was. I just thought, you know, this was a. I never a liked basic... Ilmino. I never liked Ilmino. No, neither did I. But do you know what? The drummer from El Nino. Dave Shivari, he's on tracks 4 and 15. He worked a lot with Hefe. So he's on track 4, which, in the fire, we both said we didn't like. Track 15, I Don't Want to Be a Superhero. 
That's the El Nino drummer on that. Yeah, there's there's talent. There's, there's there's so much talent on the album, and it obviously. I mean, like you got Junkie XL. Totally. Uh, you know, I said that early on. Just there's a man who writes soundtracks with Hans Zimmer. Yeah, but how many soundtracks has he written with Hans Zimmer? Uh, oh, like Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Mad Max Fury Road, Deadpool, Tomb Raider, Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> um, Godzilla vs. King Kong, Army of the Dead. Alright, I might I might take that back. I might take that back. He's clearly done a hell of a lot. But he's not someone I would have ever attached to a metal album. He's only on one song. And he's on only on one song. That song I've, I've I, no idea. So... I suppose that's just kind of where I stand on the album itself. Like, it, especially watching documentaries, obviously put me back in this headspace of being in a band, being in a practice studio, like having that camaraderie, jamming it with your friends, you know, achieving something like writing a new song and performing in it and enjoying it and, you know, appreciating the work that you've done and stuff like that. And I just sort of seen that in this album that these guys came together and you know a bit like what is the modern day mcu who knew that 10 years worth of movies and 21 movies later you would have a consistent story well mostly consistent storyline that made sense that everyone absolutely fucking loved like it's a bit like that in my view you've just compared no sorry there's so much about this that could not have worked, that could have been absolute garbage, that could have just been people... Fall- this might never have ever been released. It could have just been people falling out. It could have been egos. It could have just been absolute dog shit. But I think, for the most part, it all works. And that's an achievement. I'll take, I'll take your word for it. Right. You were, you, you were going to say, no, I'm sorry. What was... Because you another compare- point... Sorry, you're trying to... I don't, I don't, I don't get how that's got anything to do with MCU. Sorry. <laughs> Something you were saying about how this all sounds random, like you don't know how this all makes sense. It's a bit out of place. It could be on shuffle, etc. Yet you're then praising it for all being mixed by Colin Richards and and Andy Sneap. And on top of that, one thing I didn't say, one thing I didn't. It say, sounds good. I'm just saying it sonically sounds good. You've also got there's each captain seems to have had their own engineer. So Jason Sukoff, who did Ascendancy, is on all the Trivium tra- is on all the Matt Heafy tracks. Right. Okay. So it's well engineered. It's well engineered, right? That's. But the the point is that it's it's like a Kerrang compilation album of songs I didn't want. It's you know when you had your Kerrang Volume yeah. Two, you know every track is just another track, and it. It just doesn't flow for me. It was a difficult listen. I think it's 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 the nature the nature of it it lends to it. So yeah, I've said my piece. I don't I don't want to don't want to shit on your parade here. I just feel like it's not an album that I'm gonna go back to. I'm sorry. Are you trying to say, Keith? Leave it there. I'm not gonna jump on this bandwagon with you. This is not one. I'm gonna. You're not changing my mind on this. You've not won me over on this one. I'm sorry. Ah, oh, disappointing disappointing (laughs) one thing that 
they they also did was they did do a concert. I did see this, um, but it never it never got released until on DVD anyway until two thousand and eight. But it took place in two thousand five. Yep, December fifteenth, two thousand five, in New York, the Nokia Theater in New York City, and this this just sort of sums up the whole thing for me. I still I don't believe that this this gig worked because. It's not, they only play four songs off of Roadrunner United and the rest of it is essentially a covers night where you've got the the core band who performed the majority of songs was Dino Cazares, Adam Deuce, Paul Gray, Joey Jordison, Andreas Kisser and Roy Myogra. Myogra. He drums a lot on Dino's songs. And like, so for example... My Last Serenade, Kill Switch and Gage was played. You've got Howard and Jesse, Joel, Andreas Kisser, Mike D, and Justin Foley. So Adam D didn't even perform with most of Kill Switch and Gage on that night. Slipknot, Surfacing was played by mm-hmm. Rob Flynn. Yep. Rob Flynn did vocals, Andreas Kisser, Dino Cazares, Adam Juice, and Roy Mac. So basically, a completely different band covered Surfacing by Slipknot. But if you, they did the rich man. I don't know what the decisions were, and I've not seen it, so I, I can't comment on it. I've, I've not seen or heard it. it yeah. Well, sorry. What I was going to say there was they did the rich man, and Corey is on the vocals for the rich man. He's also on Bother by Stone Sour. So Corey was there that night and didn't do the Slipknot song for the night. It's uh, it's all a bit weird. So it's just a mashup of. Artists from those bands, as well as for the most part, the you know the guys mentioned from the All Star sessions. Mm-hmm. See that there, I'm talking. I talked about earlier there about how it should have just it could have been a a compilation album. I'm looking at a track list here for a compilation album. Why didn't you just release that? I would. I don't know. Seventeen years later. I can say this is a far greater achievement than a compilation album. Fair enough. It's got more to it, I guess. I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna lie. There's, there's a lot more effort. It was a, it was, it was high effort, and it, it didn't. I, I was trying to think of like, did it, did it bring attention to some people? But it didn't need to. These were all very well established musicians. It didn't like suddenly make some sort of hero or people go like, oh, I've never heard this band before and go to them. Everyone knew who this band, the people were involved in in this album. So uh, I just feel like it's really strange to me why it was performed in 2005 and released in 2008. That I I would love to know more why that is, but I can't see any story about that, unfortunately. So on the on the Kerrang Rick um, article I sort of read on this, so I think it's Dino. Yeah, Dino talks about how there was he wasn't he didn't think it was going to happen. He was he was think, thinking they would they would get two songs, uh, and quote, I went there expecting to do two songs, and everybody kept bailing out of some like the Slipknot stuff. Because Mm. of the rapping, you need a certain ability to do that. And I ended up with more and more, explains Rob. Sorry, so that's that's Rob. Uh, 
blah 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 and you know talks about how it was open bar it was a great gig blah 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 that fun so there's just that line that says to me everyone kept on bailing out like the Slipknot stuff bailing out to me is like people not turning up people not wanting to do it people saying they're going to do it and bailing on it so he just kept on getting more and more and he does do vocals on the Slipknot song so you know as was there sort of tensions around the gig like whatever happened on the night happened but you know there was an aftermath to that I, I don't know yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it's it, it was uh, a flash in the pan for me in two thousand five. It's just been another flash in the pan for twenty twenty two. Sorry, Can't, nothing more I can really add. <laughs> that uh, I, I suppose at the end of the day, I'm I'm a bit saddened by that. That you maybe didn't see a little bit more of this. But hey, man, that's that's cool. We're not here to. We're not here to convince each other of other things. So I I was genuinely surprised at how much I enjoyed coming back to this. It's not going to make me like all of a sudden put this into an annual rotation or whatever. Like that's that's not the place I'm at. I had fun with it. Now I had fun with it then. I think it's cool that this thing exists. So well done, Roadrunner United. Good on you. So are we going into our segment the one that will one one segment what are you listening to what are you listening to this week i have been listening to a couple of new tracks that got released on the old spotify we had a a shared moment there the veil of maya track yeah um, ooh, weird one that bit of a strange one really odd title <laughs> no, no denying Agreed. that Synth, synth wave v. and i and i i made the point to you sorry we've mentioned veil of maya a few times now in the pod and i made the point to you where have these guys been since 2019 they've been releasing singles since 2000 i think there's been what four or five singles since 2019 and i'm just waiting for this album to drop i've no idea what their, their game is they they clearly are releasing songs drip by drip i I'm not expecting a spirit box style thing where they're going to do all these tracks have been releasing over the last four years now, basically to be on the next album. I think they are standalone singles that they've, they've just made to, to have them out there. And I don't think you're going to get an album until 20. You might get an album this year. Maybe now that might be the start of it. This, this could well be the beginning of, of them actually releasing it. I think, I think the pandemic has a lot to answer for, for some of these yeah, bands. No no a case in point was was Trivium releasing two albums in the space of of two years, mm-hmm. and you know it's difficult to listen to because there's there's so much, and there's very likely uh, some bands I think have just sat on their music until they can tour with it, until they can actually promote it properly in, in a way that they want to. So I I yeah it was a good song. It was it was a, a a nice surprise to hear that. I also heard a new song by a band called Static Dress. They're a UK band, a very young band, but they sound to me like they're very similar to like the Used or Census Fail. Mm-hmm. They've they've captured the sound of of mid two thousands sort of pop punk. And brought it into into this into this sort of 
into this decade. Mm-hmm. And I would highly recommend them to, to anyone have a listen to them. They've got some great catchy songs, uh, very sort of a little bit dark, really fun, really fun to listen to. So they had a new a new track called Flea House, which I, I enjoyed listening to as well. Pop punk, nice one, man. Cool. How about yourself? What have you listened to? Roadrunner United, because it's an <laughs> hour and 17 minutes long. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not going to lie, that has taken up a lot of my listening time. Um, I did some stuff outside recently. So, for you know, in case that's ambiguous, I cut the grass. Hey. So, you know, I, I got in a few plays of Roadrunner United. I even went back to a little bit of Dream Theater, a little bit of Sizzle there, a little bit of Dream Theater coming at you. What? Can't wait. But the one thing I suppose I really want to talk about is... I watched Metal Lords on Netflix. So, are you aware of this? I've not. I've not heard of it until you mentioned it in the group chat this morning. So, I'm I'm into it. I want to see it. It is, and it, it hits so close to home, especially when I went when we're you know we're doing this and we went back and listened to to Roadrunner United. So, Metal Lords, a film on Netflix. It's uh, written by DB Wise, who did was one half of the production team behind what ended up being an absolute bin fire called Game of Thrones. I'm still mad about that. Don't. I'm also mad about the last three seasons of, of Game of Thrones. So DBY's wrote and produced and it was directed by Peter Solet. But it's basically about these teenage kids in high school starting to express themselves musically. One kid is... Uh, is the metalhead and he wants to start a band he wants to get his friend in to play drums it's the search for their bass player there's a a female i'm trying not to give too much away slight spoilers for metal lords i suppose there's a there's a new girl in the school who's a bit you know air quotes weird um actually played by a scottish actress and who does a scottish accent um called isis hainsworth so that was pretty cool you know just to have this person from Edinburgh on this metal American film. And it was just a lot of fun. It, it really hit close to home about like, so 2004 was in my first band, 2005, I went back to my high school and played like one of the kids in the year, one of the guys in the year below me, Steve Kyle, how you doing? Did, I don't think he did the, the, the school talent show. I think he did like a school rock show for a charity event. And he asked us, he knew me and he knew the band I was in. So he asked us to come back and do that. And, you know, like it just, it just all sort of, I also did the school talent show in like fucking 2002, 2003, whatever. But like it all just brought that back to me and like the, how desperate you are to be like, how you're seeking that approval or you're seeking that that want to be seen as this person of like and how you like express yourself through through metal and stuff like that like fucking hell i was spewing nostalgia through this the soundtrack is great the, it's it doesn't get amazing reviews but i loved the hell out of it so um definitely if you're a 30 something listening to this podcast go check out metal lords on netflix because uh, I, had, I had a lot of fun with it and the whole way through i was like cringing and laughing and my wife was like was that was that you did, did you do that in high school and i'm like close enough mate close enough <laughs> i'll give it a watch i'll definitely get it on the on the watch list because uh, it, it sounds like right up my street <laughs> 
Wonderful. Totally, man. Can't can't recommend it enough. I suppose it's we we talked about the film that I still haven't seen about the Norwegian band where they end up. The, does the guitarist end up like killing the singer or something? Oh, it's Lords got, of Chaos. Lords oh, yeah. of Chaos. I've yeah. watched I've watched that a couple of times. That is, it's a biopic about um, the, the the Norwegian black metal scene and the formation of the band that escapes my name and there's going to be people listening to this episode right now that are going to be screaming at their phones as they listen to it as mayhem mayhem and it's it's about the the death of um the the singer the original singer from that band and how the the person who who ends up I'm trying uh, if you know the story I don't uh, you know if you know the story of, of Varg Varkness how he, he joined the band and the, the the relations that they have I would strongly recommend watching it it's a very entertaining watch and it, it, it made me laugh it makes you laugh it, it makes you kind of cringe in some points because there's a few bits of it that are like wow uh, the, the, the death of his name was death the death of death is is fucking brutal like uncensored brains on the wall and it's a picture of him that of him dead that they put on his as their album cover oh jesus um metal lords is not that metal lords is very much a a pg safe song i mean there's one scene if, if you if you watch it if you watch it there's one scene especially you will appreciate this. I appreciate this as as being Scottish. I just lost my shit, and it was just so funny. So I suppose it's it's that added value for me that like they have kept the Scottish actress in it. So yeah, I've obviously ranted about this enough, but I, I want to see that, that that film that we were just talking about, Mayhem and stuff. But Metal Lords way more fun, way more chill. Uh, really. You know, if 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 you're ever in school trying to make a metal band, you're gonna you're definitely gonna remember some stuff from this. They really hit the nail on the head with it. Cool. I can't wait to watch it. Cannot wait. Cool. Are we um are we all good? Are we all you didn't like Roadrunner? I did. Yeah, let's all, let's are we all good to go home? Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to a different album this week. Right, on that note, what will we be listening to next week, Lav? Two thousand five, still in there. I've mentioned Adam D already. Uh-huh. Parkway Drive, kill him with a smile. Alright. Oh, cool, 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 cool. I can get the robots on, boys. And the last time I listened to this, I discovered that the sound bites that are used in a couple of songs are not on the versions that are on Spotify. I might be wrong. They might be putting them back. They might not be there. I thought I was imagining it and I've had to find the MP3 files and oh. my MP3s do have those sound bites in. So that's that's something that's interesting that I, I, I would love to know more about. You've but mentioned it, that before and I totally thought you were then talking about Poison the Well when you know they've got the Marlon Brando bit, but you were talking about Parkway Drive. Yep, we brought, I've brought... So, so this was the... Is this their debut album? Yeah, this is their debut album. Absolutely. This band 
balls to the wall, one of my favourite metalcore bands of the mid two thousands. They've got and a this where it's release. It was, I think, it was just a de- uh, was it a demo or a fourteen songs? Don't close your eyes. It's an EP, apparently. Aye, I'm looking forward to talking about Killing with a Smile. Cool, can't wait. Uh, but yeah, I'll talk about that next week. Cool. So Keith, do you want to take us home? I will. Thank you for listening. This has been a live or just blathering. If you do want to join in the conversation, hit us up at AOGB Podcast on Instagram or Twitter, AOGB Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email for anything more than 120 characters or whatever the fuck Twitter is these days. If you're checking us out on Instagram and you're seeing that the reels are a bit fucked, we know and we don't know how to fix that. I've put in a report to Instagram. It's really super annoying. I think it's killing our reach as well. So we do apologize for the shit reels, but we're trying to work with Instagram and figure out what has been on there. However, next week on a live or just blathering, Lav will be taking us through Killing with a Smile by Parkway Drive. Can't wait. Good night.